You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Yes, I am Chris McPherson, joined alongside Alex Smith. Carson Wentz mania has taken over Philadelphia. You're shaking your head. No, like, I love it. Okay, I love it. I'm just, I love it. you got me worried for a second no, there. No, so. no, I love it. I've been a big Carson Wentz fan throughout the draft process, throughout the training camps, OTAs, having them in the building. Been a big Wentz guy all along, so to see him finally get out there on the field, really could not have asked for a better debut in, in any way. Eagles fans, we have to be so excited because if this is the start of what could be something truly special, the Eagles were looking to acquire that franchise-altering type player with the number two overall pick, and he certainly did not look like a rookie whatsoever. And it was great, Alex, that on last week's episode of the podcast, we got to have Jordan Matthews, Mm -hmm. who was a big contributor in Sunday's win. Seven catches, the beautiful touchdown over the shoulder on the opening drive, and it was a lot of fun delving into a lot of stuff off the football field with him. I guess we're going to have to have him back on to learn more about Carson, though, and especially with the musical taste. Yeah, he said that uh, he talked at the podium after the game on Sunday, and he said that, you know, he was asked about how Carson's only been working with the first team for, you know, a few days and trying to get to know him. So he said that to try to get in Carson Wentz's mindset, he had to listen to the music that he liked. So he listened to some Jason Aldeans, (laughs) and then he made Carson, in turn, listen to Graduation by Kanye West. So a little bit of, uh, I guess you would call that an information swap. Okay, uh, I like that. It certainly worked. All right, so we appreciate all the feedback, all the comments, the ratings that we've received on iTunes and Stitcher. In fact, the Eagles Insider Podcast is one of the top-ranked sports podcasts now on Stitcher. All right. So it's all thanks to you guys out there. We greatly appreciate the support. So for this week's episode, we're going to go to the defensive side of the football, and we're going to go inside the mind of the quarterback of the defense, so to speak, in second-year middle linebacker Jordan Hicks, where we delve into the whole leadership role, what he overcame at Texas from an injury standpoint. Just a tremendous young man, had a phenomenal rookie season that was cut short, unfortunately, due to injury, but just great talking shop with young Jordan Hicks. Yeah, and he also had a really nice game in the season opener on the defensive side of the ball as well. Kind of an under-the-radar game, but when you go back and you look at it, I think he may have had something like five total tackles, but from getting the defense set, and of course it's the first game under Jim Schwartz's scheme, but just from getting everything set, and just like Carson Wentz, I think playing beyond his years. What's the start for him? I think he started so many games last year. He doesn't have a full season under his belt, but he had that tip on the one interception by Rodney McLeod. A really nice first outing, I think, in the new season for Jordan Hicks as well. Interesting. You make the correlation with Wentz in that Wentz wasn't expected to be put into the starting lineup where it was supposed to be Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford. Well, last year, it was all Kiko Alonso and D'Amico Ryans and Michael Kendricks. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, injuries crippled the position and Jordan Hicks was put in the spotlight and he thrived. And it just goes to show you never really know what's going to happen in the NFL. Things can change so quickly. When Jordan Hicks was drafted in the third round last year, it was, why are we taking a linebacker in the third round? We have the guys that you just mentioned in front of him. Maybe he'll play special teams, and maybe down the road he'll be something. Exactly. And there were some fans out there who felt the same way when Carson Wentz was drafted. Sam Bradford was already resigned. Chase Daniel was on the roster as well. So it's like, okay, well, we're looking a few years down the road, and then in the blink of an eye, things change, and both of those two players have really stepped up. All right, so we're going to talk first with Jordan Hicks, and then a little bit later on in the podcast, his high school head coach at Lakota West High School in Westchester Township, Ohio, Larry Cox. We're going to find out what Jordan was like going through those 
critical years. And maybe we'll get some good anecdotes about what Jordan was like, not just on the field, but off the field as well. But first, our one-on-one interview here on the Eagles Insider Podcast with linebacker Jordan Hicks. Jordan, welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You've got to be excited about the start of Texas's season with that monstrous win. Absolutely. Over Notre Dame. That's huge. It's huge for Obviously, the team is huge for the coaching staff, Coach Strong. I think I heard him say it's the first time under him being ranked and then really the first time jumping up from unranked to number 11, first time and and really the biggest jump that we've had in history. So, you know, exciting times with the Longhorns. Excited to watch game number two this week coming up. I'm not sure who we got, but I know we're going to get them. How did you watch the game? I was actually at Eric Rowe's house my boy at his place watching the game and cheering him on so you know I'm I'm watching every single one of them how much do college rivalries exist in the Eagles locker room oh they definitely they definitely exist let's see I don't know if we have I know Oklahoma you know I talk a lot of trash about the Oklahoma guys and I'm not sure if we have many A&M guys I don't think we have any but Oklahoma for sure who in the locker room has the most or is the biggest trash talker in regards to their college team maybe Malcolm Jenkins could be Ohio me. State. Yeah, that's, not a, that's not a shock. Without a doubt. I know last year he, he talked a lot of trash about Ohio State. So. I wonder if he's a front runner. I wonder if he's someone, you know, Buckeyes are top of the year. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're doing well. Urban's doing a good job, and he's got a reason to talk trash. What was it like playing for Texas football and attending school down there in Austin? Awesome, man. It was a great time. Obviously, it didn't necessarily go the way I expected it to. You know, I expected, you know, go in there have the same coaching staff. Obviously, that was crazy. You know, have, you know, national, at least see a couple, be in a couple national championships while I was there. We were coming off of a national championship with Colt McCoy the year I came in when we lost to Alabama with Garrett Gilbert. So I was expecting high things. You know, things were great. And my freshman year, we were nine and seven, which was a rough, or I'm sorry, five and seven. Oh, the nine and, and seven. I was nine and seven. NFL, yeah, NFL numbers here. That was yeah, all good. Five and seven. And it was a tough time. And slowly, slowly, but surely, you know, brought ourselves back. And I think we found somebody in this quarterback and this defense, obviously, Coach Strong gets them right. So exciting times. In terms of going there and being on campus, are you treated differently? Is it a thing where it's like you play Texas football? I mean, I know how huge football is down there in Texas. To be there at the biggest school, playing for the team pretty much down there, the marquee team, what was that adulation like on campus? Yeah, I mean, it's you definitely get attention. And people know who you are. You know, you'll walk through. You'll be a freshman who hasn't stepped on campus, but they know you from recruiting. And you've got kids on campus screaming your name and giving, heckling you and trying to get you, you know, pumped up for the season and asking you questions. So you definitely get the attention. You get a little bit of special treatment here and there, you know, but you're still demanded to work. You know, obviously it's not easy, not an easy school to get into academically. You've got to be able to take your studies serious. And in college, they make it such an environment where you are supposed to succeed. So Texas did a great job with that. And, you know, I loved it. Austin can't beat Austin. Austin is an amazing city. A lot of things to do in there. So loved it. The whole situation was awesome. How tough is it when the coach who recruited you gets replaced? Is that kind of jarring? It is. It is. I think for me, I was so used to, (laughs) this is a bad thing to say, but, you know, I was so used to turnover coaching-wise. I had been through so many different D coordinators and linebacker coaches already that a new head coach, a new start, you know, was nothing really that different. You know, I was so used to that type of change. So I think it's helped me where I'm at now and being able to adapt the way I can and the way I take on change. That's made it so much easier for me in the NFL. You also had two seasons limited due to injury. 
How were you able to persevere through the rehabs? They weren't easy rehabs, so how were you able to push through those? It was tough. It was tough because I was young. You know, I wasn't 100% sure of who I was and trying to figure everything out. And your dream and your everything you've put into it is to go to the NFL and to be on the field and to play and get to a national championship. And when you can't be a part of that as a young 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid, and I'm still 20, I'm only 24, but still <laughs> talking like I'm freaking old. But <laughs> You hang around the you know, Nico and Tolo. You know what I mean? Time, it's, you know? But I've learned so much. You just learn a bunch from going through those type of situations, and that's really what they were. Looking back on the Achilles, I wouldn't say that I handled it the best. You know, there were times when I was down and I was questioning what was going to happen in different situations, but coming out of it and being able to come out of it, going through my pec injury was nothing. You know what I mean? And to be able to look back on those times and say, you know, I made it through so much worse than the situation I have now. What type of mindset? How are you going to approach it? How are you going to, you know, attack the situation? So they were huge growing points for me, both on the field, off the field, as a man, as a leader. And I'm thankful for being able to go through those type of situations. When players get injured, it's interesting to me because fans will hear that. Maybe they'll see you standing on the sideline during the games, that kind of thing. But they don't see the day-to-day, the behind the doors, what really goes into rehab. How tough is that? Not being able to do the small things. How tough is that? What's yeah, it really like? The hardest part is standing on the sideline or standing. Um, last year it was on the sideline watching practice or the game because I traveled to everything. I was still a part of every single situation that we were having throughout the day, meetings, everything. And not being out there and seeing everybody having a blast. You know, you have fun playing this game. It's the reason why we all play. We love it. We have fun, you know, and not being able to do it and have that camaraderie with your teammates. And for me, that's the hardest part. Day in, day out, the grind, you know, you're going to be sore. You know, they're trying to push you to get back. Your injury is going to be sore. And that's the easy part. The hard part is not being out there. So all the adversity you went through in college, how did it help you this past off season with the coaching change, coming back from the injury and everything that took place? helped a lot like I said this is I'm losing track now I think it's number six six defense in seven years yeah six defense in seven years you learn to take different techniques and different terminology and apply it concepts and apply it to what you're doing now I've had the luxury to be in that many defenses if you can say a luxury it's a blessing and a curse probably yeah looking at it at this point of view it really does help me. I've been able to take those things and adapt them and apply them to what's going on out there on the field right now. So when you get the word that Jim Schwartz is coming in with this attacking, aggressive style defense, what were your first thoughts? To me, it's like a defense I've been in under Manny Diaz. We had a different front. We didn't play a wide nine. We played more of an under front. But you know what? What what we were taught was come downhill, take blocks off of the defensive lineman, and be attacking. We want to play on their line of, on their side of the line of scrimmage rather than ours. So again, something I had been through, something I had been taught before. We've done drills, we've gone through tape, and you know, I, there's a lot to apply. So you have the radio in your helmet. Keeping in mind that this is a PG-rated podcast, <laughs> what's what's it like having Jim Schwartz constantly in your ear? No, honestly, in the game, he's he's actually really calm, and you know, he'll get intense on the sideline when something's messed up. But in the headset, he's calm. You know, he keeps me calm. He keeps everybody. You know, kind of really reminds me to stay calm. You know, get your guys right, saying encouraging things like that, which is nice. You want somebody in your ear who's who's going to keep you more mellow and keep everybody pretty easy going while you're out there. How is Jim as a teacher? Really phenomenal. His knowledge of the game and the details and the ability to communicate to his players what to expect, how they're thinking as an offense and applying it to what we're doing as a defense. You know that if you understand why we're doing something, 
it really embeds itself in your memory and you're, you're able to bring it back and, and truly understand it. So for me, that's what I love about having Coach Schwartz there is he communicates why we're doing it and the way we're going to do it and how we're going to do it. So he's a phenomenal teacher. Why do you love the leadership aspect of playing the middle linebacker position? I think it's the chess game. I think it's the ability to be out there, be the middle linebacker, get everybody lined up. You know, if you see something maybe you had seen in practice or you remember something in practice or some type of tendency that they have, the ability to have that chess game with them, know what's coming, get the call right, you know, make the check, whatever it is, get the call right, an interception or a three-yard loss or whatever it may be. And it's that type of play, being part of the scheme, being in that leadership position that brings me satisfaction. Is it something that you've always embraced, you know, going back college, high school, Pop yeah. Warner? Yeah, I mean, Pop Warner, you're just out there playing football. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the kids have to look to someone. There's always someone yeah. who's the, the leader of the pack. It's usually, so, yeah. I, someone's in charge. Yeah. I think I really came into that role in college. Obviously, in high school, I was a leader on the team. You know, I was one of the vocal leaders, one of the guys getting recruited. You know, that's really what it comes down to if you're, you know, well-respected guy getting recruited in football in high school. So high school was pretty easy. It gets tougher as you go on because you're dealing with different types of people and you're meeting different types of people. Your bubble expands, you know. So when you get to college, everybody's just as good as you were in high school. You know, you really have to take the next step to become that leader. And I think year two, year three, you know, I, year one, I was still under some guys, Emmanuel Acho, who we know, and Keenan Robinson, who's with the Giants right now. I was under them and still learning, trying to get a feel for everything that's going on. But, what, you know, once they left, it really became my room and embraced it, took ownership. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm getting at now. You know, it's it's a new season. You know, my bubble has expanded even more. You're dealing with guys who are older than you, guys who have played in the, the league longer than you have, who probably know more than you. Then you still have to take ownership of the defense. You still have to be the leader because guys look at the middle linebacker, the guy with the headset in his ear and look for that to be the leader on the D. So I'm embracing that role. You know, like I said, I, I love it. My favorite part of being a linebacker. You talk about being that vocal leader on the field. Are you that way off the field too? I mean, you seem like kind of a reserved guy, kind of a quiet guy. Is there a separation there? There is. You know, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily reserved, but at the same time, I'm not as outspoken as I am on the field. On the field, it's my element. You know what I mean? I have fun. I don't hold anything back. I have a great time out there. You know, when I'm in the heat of the battle, everything I see, I'm saying. Even if it's something that I don't need to say, that probably everybody knows, I'm saying it. Just to make sure everybody's on the same page. And that's kind of the communication aspect that I run with. Jordan, I know you have meetings to get to, a busy season ahead. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on the Eagles Entire Podcast. Honestly, there were a lot of things, Alex, that we could have gotten into with Jordan that mm -hmm. we just didn't have time for. So maybe we'll have to bring it back for a future edition of the podcast. But again, extremely mature for his age. You know, we talked about Carson Wentz at the top of the podcast. Mm -hmm. You can say the same exact thing about Jordan Hicks. When he, you hear Jordan Hicks talk, what always strikes me is just how well he comes across. He's such a young guy. But you can just hear it that it's there. He's always in the right spot. He always knows where to be. He, it just seems like he always knows what to say. Yeah. And that's something that's always really struck me about him. Really from the moment that he walked in here as a third round pick last year and he had his first press conference, he's always been that way and always really, really refreshing to hear from him because I think he, he speaks very sincerely. He doesn't give you any really cliched answers or anything like that. So I always learn a lot when I hear from Jordan Hicks. All right. So let's learn about more about Hicks, the person, and what he was like back in high school. We had a chance to catch up with Larry Cox, who was Jordan Hicks High School coach at Lakota West in Westchester Township, Ohio. We're going to talk about 
what he was like as a player, what he was like as a teammate. And Larry gave some great stories and we're already big fans of Jordan Hicks. And quite honestly, you're going to be an even bigger fan if you're not already after hearing what Cox has to say. So here's our interview with Larry Cox. And Larry, the first question I want to ask you is this. What's your fondest memory of the Eagles linebacker? Honestly, I would have to say, I'll give you two. There's one. He was a punter, and we rugby punted, <laughs> and he averaged 40 yards a punt. Wow. Look out, Donnie Jones in Philadelphia. And it was one of those where he literally, in a game, he kept it. He had that choice. He could read it any time he wanted to. And he hurdled the kid. The kid came up and, and actually read the play, and I thought, oh, he's got him. And he tried to basically chop tackle him, and Jordan hurdles him. And that was an unbelievable highlight. Now, I do got to tell a story on him there. On the other side, his senior year, we were playing in a gale force wind, and we were punting from the three-yard line out, and the wind blew it back out of the end zone. Oh, so he man. has the record for the shortest punt ever <laughs> in Lakota West history. But just his overall athleticism, I mean, you knew he was a special kid. How long was he a punter for? Every year? No, he was, uh, he was a punter his senior year. Okay. Part of his junior year, too. So, Larry, Jordan had moved around a bunch before he came to Ohio. When he came and started playing football at the school, did it take him any time to assimilate with the other kids, or was he someone who just fit in naturally? He fit in naturally. He just has that personality about him, and that was a good group of athletes. That was a good team. So I think he just sort of slotted right in with it, you know, and you could tell at the junior high stage, he was going to be a division one kid. And as the years progressed and you got to know what kind of person he was, because at the high school level, we see all kinds of kids that could be, you know, division one kids. But do you have the insides of a division one kid? And that's the thing that really, really separated him was his athletic maturity and how he handled situations and things like that. He's only in his second year here, and he's already taken on a leadership role with this defense as the starting middle linebacker. And he's talked about how much he really enjoys that leadership and that communication standpoint of the game. Is that something that you saw from an early point as well? Yeah, he always was that leader. He always wanted to be the guy to get the team or the unit going in the right direction. And he wasn't afraid of that, you know, and I think that's what makes him so special. To get to that level, yeah, you got to be a great athlete, but there's other things you got to be made up of. And the thing that you saw is that he let everybody know, here's what's important, here's what we need to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, he had no issues doing that. In fact, I can still remember last year he did an interview with Jim Rome, and I can still remember Rome's comment after he hung up was, he sounds like a 10-year veteran already and he's just a rookie. You know, I just think that's sort of been his makeup. And thankfully, he had a great mother, Kelly, who just did a great job of letting things happen, but just keep steering him in the right way. Larry, Carlton Gray, a former NFL safety, is a member of your staff and is someone who Jordan also speaks very highly of. Did Carlton see pro ability in him? Does he ever try to do that when looking at these kids say, you know what, maybe if he keeps going down the right path that someday he could be playing on Sundays? I think for us, it's we take it one step at a time of course. because there's so much luck involved. And luck to me is a person that takes advantage of their opportunities. But I think we saw that Jordan was going to be really, really special. And having Carlton there was definite, definite plus because Carlton had that been there, done that mentality. And I think Jordan always 
wanted that type of life. Now, I mean, to be perfectly honest, his dream was to go play basketball in North Carolina. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he had Division One basketball offers when he was a senior. Outstanding basketball player. And I think he realized going into his junior year, football is going to be my lot. When Ohio State offers you coming out of your sophomore year and you still haven't been offered basketball, he sort of felt his way into that. As he said, if he'd have been two inches taller, who knows what would have happened. But he was an outstanding basketball player. And that's sort of what Carlton was. Carlton was an All-American at high school in basketball and football. So I think Carlton really took a shine to him just because they went through the same things. Carlton was an outstanding student. Jordan was an outstanding student. So I think those parallels really helped bring those two together. And I think Carlton really took a likeness to saying, okay, I can help you through this. And obviously had a big impact on him. It's interesting that you brought up his basketball background. Did you ever have any conversations with him trying to sway him one way or another of, hey, you should you should stay towards football or you should go one way or another? Did you have any conversations like that as his head coach? No, 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 because he loved basketball. And you know what? At the high school level, you get one chance at high school. So you might as well let them do what they want. And my biggest thing was always don't use basketball as an excuse not to be in the weight room. And being a high school kid sometimes got to drop that hammer. But he wasn't one you really had to. He didn't mind that portion of it. We always talked about time management and being able to take care of that aspect and don't let one slide. And sometimes you're going to have to forego some things socially to get everything accomplished that you want be it athletically, academically, and personally, because some things you're going to have to sacrifice to get where you want to get. He prioritized pretty well, and he was a young man that made it both work, and I was always of the opinion, if they're doing something, they're competing, that's fine with me, and I'll take care of the rest as it goes. But he was always such an intense competitor. He loved to just play people and play games and where there was a winner and a loser, and that was just Jordan's, you know, I thought that was another trait that he always possessed, that he just loved to compete. Larry, you mentioned how he received scholarship offers coming out of his sophomore season in high school. Did that change his approach? Did that change how he interacted with his teammates? How did he handle knowing that he was on to bigger things once his high school career would be over? You guys know him just by how you interact with him on a daily basis. You know, Jordan's Jordan. He will always be the same person no matter what happens. The greatest thing in the world can happen to him. He's the same kid. That kind of things don't change him because he had his core group of friends, and they really, you know, were tight group. I mean, I'll be honest. When Jordan was a freshman, he was the only freshman I've ever asked to move up to varsity. And he said no, because in his words, I just want to hang with my classmates. Our freshman building's different. It's housed in a different area. So he'd have to be bussed over here to the high school every day. And he goes, I don't want to leave my classmates and my teammates. These are my best friends. You know, how do you say no to that? That's a pretty mature answer for a freshman. So he always wants to be one of the guys. So when all this started happening, you know, and blowing up, he handled it really, really well. He's had a ton of success in a very short period of time here. When you look at what he's done at the NFL level already, does any of it surprise you? No, because of his maturity, his work ethic, and his athleticism. I just felt like when he went to Texas and he had those injuries, I mean, again, that's where I talk about the luck factor. But now, you know, we knock on wood just because of how he approaches things. He's such an intelligent football player. You can't give him too much. And I think. 
that's one of the best things that he possesses is just a smart mind. I mean, heck, the kid could have went to Stanford if he wanted to. I mean, they offered. You know, Jim Harbaugh worked his tail off to try to get it. It's funny, Jim Harbaugh challenged him to a one-on-one basketball game. Interesting. <laughs> and, like you, know, you know, Jordan was like, I'm in dress clothes because we had, you know, had a bad, and he was just kidding with him, but I think he was kidding with him. I can't say that for sure, but it's just, you know, how Jordan handles things and his competitiveness, nothing surprises me out of that. Larry, how much did you interact with him during his time at Texas when he was going through the injuries? Did you have to offer any advice? Did you have to encourage him at all to keep battling through? Because he even admitted that there were times when it was difficult to realize mentally, not just physically, but mentally, that he'd have to go through another rehab stint. We would talk probably about once a month. And we text back and forth because he brought our program and our school to a different level. You know, when you have an Under Armour All-American and things like that, that you take pride in. And that's easy for us to live off that. But at the same time, I'm not going to turn my back on that either. I think that's important. And I think he always finds time to come back here. You know, so I think we got a pretty good relationship and he's such a good person. You know, you don't want to get rid of the good people in your life. So you're always going to maintain those relationships. But I think just keep pumping him up. And I think everybody at Texas still knew what he was about. It was just about finding that time where he stayed healthy enough for him. Larry, this is my final question for you. Something that you said really struck me. You said you can't give him too much. Sometimes when you hear coaches say that, it's because they don't want to put too much on his plate and and those kind of things. But with him, you can't give him too much because he has the ability, he has that intelligence to really take on anything. How much of a luxury is that as a coach to have a player like that who is just able to take on whatever you throw at him? It makes you look like a good coach. That's for that. That's the neat part. I never did find his peak to where it was too much. He wants that. He wants that. And, and he thrives under that. And I think that's what makes him who he is. You know, he wants to be that guy that says, give me more, I'll do it. And it, it's sort of that competitive nature of him. Like I said, though, he doesn't want the spotlight of it, though. He just wants to know that he can do more. Because his senior year, I tell you, we had to do a weekly media show with him really? just because of the amount of attention he was getting and he hated it he couldn't stand it it's amazing because he's very good in front of the camera he's very good in interviews he's tremendous well it was one of those things that i sort of told him this is the way we got to do it because the interview requests were getting so large i yeah. said we'll do it once a week and i know he hated it but it was what's best at the time espn wanted to do his signing day they were sending the whole truck, the whole crew out. And he said he only agreed to it because we had five kids sign that year. And he said, only if the other five can sign at the same time as me. And ESPN said, no, we just want you. And he said, well, go on. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's yeah. great. So he can take it, but he doesn't want the glory that goes with it. He just wants to know that he's responsible for it and that I'll do my best, whatever that is, and, and just keep pushing me and I'll get there. Again, I think that's why I think the sky's the limit with this guy. And just neat. When they came over to play Indianapolis, because Indianapolis is starting center, the rookie, him and Jordan were on the same high school team. I didn't know that. Okay. That was a pretty neat deal, you know, as a coach to be able to be there and watch them too. So, And they're exactly the same people for the most part. But you can just see him really beginning to blossom and take off. Larry Cox, the head coach at Lakota West High School in Ohio, where Jordan Hicks played his outstanding prep football. Larry, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. My pleasure, guys, anytime. That last anecdote 
at the end from Coach Cox about how Jordan was asked to be part of the signing day ceremony on ESPN, which has become a huge spectacle each and every year now. And Jordan was like, okay, it's fine, but I want my teammates Mm -hmm. to be there with me. And ESPN's like, no, you're the spotlight guy. And Jordan's saying, well, then I don't want to be featured. Just speaks volumes about the character of the person that Jordan is. Yeah, and it's the same kind of thing which Coach Cox was also telling us about how he wanted them to play for varsity. And he said, you know what, I... He could have. He could have taken that personal glory of going up to the varsity team, but he said, hey, I want to do this with my friends. I want to do this with my teammates. So some really great stories about Jordan Hicks. And like you said, C-Mac, if you're not a fan of him or if you weren't listening to this podcast, I don't know how you can't be on the other side. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Again, previous episodes, if you haven't had a chance to catch up, you know we've had Brandon Brooks, We've had Bo Allen. We had Jordan Matthews last week. We've had Trey Burton on here. So some great insight. John Dornboss, which was a phenomenal interview, talking about America's Got Talent and his journey with that. So across the board, we've been having a lot of fun with these. We hope that you have as well. If you have anything that you want to change, if you have a request, if you have a player who you want to hear more from and learn more about, just leave us a comment. You can send us a note on Twitter, at Eagles. Alex runs a show there. So there's tons of ways to get in touch with us. But again, you've helped make this podcast one of the best sports podcasts on Stitcher. We appreciate it, and we want to keep things rolling here. So that's going to do it for this edition here. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider podcast.